All right, this week I'm joined by Chris Brockman. Chris is one of the co-hosts of The Rich Eisen Show, which is crazy for me to say to think that I have one of the co-hosts of The Rich Eisen Show on the podcast this week. But Chris is a Socko guy. As cool as it is to listen to him talk about the LA lifestyle, the working with Rich, all the cool people he's interviewed, all the cool people he's met and the experiences that he's had. The thing I liked most about the conversation I had with Chris was how he had a goal through college, after college, what he wanted to do. And there were times in his life where he wasn't executing on that plan. He wasn't sure how he was going to get to that next level, but he kept taking steps and finding ways to move forward. And now he's the co-host on the Rich Eisen show, live in LA, married, has a kid doing really well. So I really, really enjoyed that part of the conversation where he shared that story, gave some great advice along the way, told a million great stories, awesome guy overall. So I can't say enough good things and really appreciate his time and appreciate him coming on the podcast. Reach out to him on Twitter. We have some mutual connections. My brother, some other people figured, why not invite him, see if he'd be open to it. And he was very gracious. And again, I appreciate it. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. It's a long one, but there's a lot of good stuff along the way. So this is the Randy Forcer podcast. As always, you can do me a favor, follow on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, all of that stuff. I'm trying to grow the podcast as much as I can. If you can do those things for me, I really appreciate it. So thanks again for your support. Thanks again for listening. Here's Chris. Chris Brockman, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Hey, Randy, pleasure to be here. Great to talk to you, man. How's everything going? Good, man. This is a big day for the podcast. I typically don't allow Thornton Academy people onto the podcast, <laughs> so I made an exception for you. But didn't you say you work at Saco? So like you're already there, man. It's like right hey, down Main Street. You know, I don't tell many people that, so I try to act like it's all Biddeford. But, <laughs> but it's good, man. I'm happy to have you on. You're doing big stuff out in LA on the Rich Eisen Show, and I want to get to all that. But what I was hoping to do is talk a little bit about where you started and then kind of make our way there. So why don't you share a little bit about your background? You're not originally from Maine. I'm not originally from Maine. I was born in Pennsylvania, but I don't remember living there. My dad was in the Coast Guard. And so we moved a lot growing up. We lived in Alaska. And then we went to Virginia, which okay. kind of begins my memories in the late 80s. And then we moved back to Alaska when I was nine. Yeah. And then we moved to Maine when I turned 13. So, and then, you know, I kind of consider Maine home. And my mom and my sister still live there. My sister is a teacher at Sacramento Middle School. Oh, no and she's been there for a long time. And uh, yeah, just being a military kid and bouncing around, we always... We always moved in the middle of the school year, which was, you know, you don't think anything of it when you're six and it's like, okay, we're pulling you out of first grade. And then in a couple of weeks, you're going to be in a different school and a different part of the country. Not when you're 13, I always, though. I always enjoyed that. Yeah. 13, it's a little harder. You yeah. know, when you're six, when you're nine, it's really not a huge deal. It's actually kind of fun. It's kind yeah. of exciting. You know, you get to be the new kid in school, which... Uh -huh which is tough. But for me, I always, I always thought it helped me. It helped me be able to adapt to new situations. I make friends really easily. I yep. can blend in and, you know, when it's time to kind of stand out or, you know, speak up or do whatever, it, it becomes pretty natural. Sports always helps with that stuff. And it sounds like sports you were pretty busy too. playing sports. And that was kind of the big thing when I, when I moved to Maine, I was, you know, getting more and more into playing sports. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I moved to Maine when I was 13, eighth grade. And we got there too late for me to sign up for football, but you know, I was on the basketball team, on the yep. baseball team, and then freshman year going to Thornton, you know, played football, played, played all three sports, the big three. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it made it a lot easier 
because mm-hmm. it, being that age and going into a new school, you know, teenagers are tough, man. It's a tough crowd. It's tough to kind of break through and find out which niche and group you belong to, what table you sit at at lunch. Oh, that's uh, difficult, but kind of stupid juvenile stuff, but important at the time. And, you know, sports really helped that. And I've always had that in my life. So, uh, yeah. And then I went to Syracuse. Yeah. And then I moved back to Maine for seven years before I ended up out okay. here in California. So what did you go to school at Syracuse for? Well, I, I did the student TV stuff. Syracuse is one of the best communication schools and broadcasting and all that stuff. So I did that on the side while getting a, what is my major? I think I have a political science and his, do I have a dual major? I might Isn't have that a funny how that stuff is. I don't even really remember. I don't even know where my diploma is. It's not <laughs> even on my wall at home. Yeah. yeah. But I did all the student TV stuff on the side all four years. So I learned how to host and edit and write and direct and, you know, all that fun stuff. And then I became the executive producer of the football and basketball show. And then at I did Syracuse, a, no kidding. At, at Syracuse, at Syracuse, yeah. Were there any big time athletes at the time you were there? I mean, you big probably after like my, Carmelo. You know, I was before Carmelo. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're dating me. I'm a little older yeah, now. I look great. That Southern <laughs> California diet. I get it. You think I'm younger. But so my freshman year was Donovan McNabb's senior yeah. year. Yeah. And that was the first year of the BCS before the college football playoff. Now the BCS was, yeah. I actually had no problem with the BCS, yeah. but we, Tennessee won the first championship that year. Yeah. So the Peyton uh, Manning year, right? must have been. No, it was the T. Martin, Peerless Price, Jamal Lewis year. No kidding. Okay. So we actually played them in the first game of the season. Got screwed by the refs. No call. <laughs> not uh, that you're holding on to that. Not that I'm holding on to that. So we didn't have, that was kind of the only good football run. Yeah, that's kind of the last good Syracuse. Football. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't think of Syracuse as a football school, more of a basketball. No, school. and and funny is when when I was a kid and in the '90s they were a big time football school. Yeah. Like Don McNabb was awesome. Obviously, the second pick in the draft yeah. in 1999, and then we we're more of a basketball school. We had a, a couple good basketball years when I was there. I graduated in 2002, and yeah. then the Carmelo Championship 2002. Honestly, that's crazy to think Carmelo is in and out of the league and we're as old as we are at this point, you know, and like LeBron's obviously still going, but it's just like, man, we're old. We're getting old. (laughs) I think about it all the time. It's like, you know, my college graduation is now 21 years ago. Like that is insane. Like where did the time go? I used to remember thinking like looking at pro athletes and being like, these guys are all older than me. And you know, now it's like, they're all way younger than me. And, and I'm sure it's the same thing as you're talking to all these guys. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. Way younger. Having these guys come in and like getting to know a lot of these guys. And you're like, oh yeah, we, we are, we're relatable because we're basically the same age. Because in your head, you're still, you're still you know, 20 I'm, something. I'm still 20 something, yeah. early 30s, maybe. But, you know, I'm 42 now. And it's just like, Jesus, there's like no, Tom Brady is like the only one. <laughs> he know, really is the only one, you know? It's great. It, I love it. So at Syracuse, did you, have a different path in your head other than going back to Maine or you just, you went back to Maine to figure things out? I think the path when I was at school was get a job somewhere, <laughs> anywhere. It didn't matter what it was. Cause back then, you know, there's no, there's no Twitter. There's no Instagram. There's no YouTube. There's no real digital editing. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, today you can live anywhere, do anywhere. You do a show. You're in Maine right now. I'm in California and we're having a conversation in real time, totally. And you're going to upload it 
in a matter of moments and then it'll be off and running easy so back then it was you know i had to come up with a tape i had to rig two vcrs together to dub it so i could create tapes to send to tv stations and so i spent you know in my mind it was like wherever i get a job that's where i'm moving because this is the path i'm supposed to take it's yeah. i'm going to go to some really small market and i'm going to do a good job there for one to two years and i'm going to go to a slightly better market and then a slightly better market. Yeah. And then in 10 years, maybe I'll be back in Boston and it'll be awesome. Well, and that's kind of what happened. Maybe skipped a couple steps along the way. But I that's did kind of skip a few steps along the way, but in my head, it was, you know, send stuff out all summer long, resume, <laughs> resume tapes, and then hope to hear back. And then it's, you know, it's one rejection letter after another. This is summer 2002. And you're just thinking, man, I am just striking out all over the place. Am I am I actually good at this? I thought I was good at this. Yeah. You're pretty much just playing the waiting game. Yep. Well, all right. Let's see how long my money will last. I bet. I bet. <laughs> and then, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, at that age back in 2002 that are trying or want to do the things that you do. So it's like things have to just work out a certain way. And they, and they yeah, ultimately and, You know, it's, it's so stupid and cliche to be like, everything happens for a reason. But yeah, it was like I, I was hanging out at the the Thorn Academy gym for a little, just like working out, playing some hoops. And uh, Kevin Kiesel was the coach back then. Still is. Still yeah. is, which is yeah. kind of amazing. And he was just mm -hmm. like, hey man, like, are you going to be around this fall? What is the, what does the job look like? And I'm like, I really don't know. I had a lead on something in Georgia, at like a really small TV station. And that ended up falling through. And he was just like, look, if you're going to be around, I mean, we we need some help. We got a spot open to coach wide receivers and to help awesome. Greg Parody do the defensive backs. And, you know, you can work with the JVs. And I was like, sounds awesome. Like, that would be great. I'm here. And as long as I'm here, I'd love to do it. And, you know, I was really tight with George Mendros. Mm -hmm. And he was running the substitute teacher program at the time. And he was like, I could get you in doing this, you know, three, four, five days a week. I was like, great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'll coach a little football, I'll substitute teach. Like that's super easy. And I'll just see, you know, when something comes up with a real job in the, the path that I want to go mm -hmm. down, I'll bolt and I'll do it till then. And I ended up being a TA the whole year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it was one year at TA coaching. I did one year TA. So I did the, I did the football thing. And then I helped out Craig Agresti. I did freshman basketball with him. Mm -hmm. I think that was, that might've been Bob's first year. Bob Davies might've been his, cause he took over from Mike Nelson. It was one of his first years. And so I helped Craig do freshman. And then for baseball, Greg was the coach. And so I kind of would just go a couple of days a week and throw batting practice and just kind of help out. But so yeah, I did that for the whole year. And I didn't really think about my career or the job yeah. at that point. And then that summer was like, all right, well, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do now that school's over? teaching was the backup plan i guess and so i wasn't ready to kind of hit go on the backup plan i was like you know i still want to give this a real try and so did you seek out the journal tribune or did someone so the journal tribune thing was like even more <laughs> even more <laughs> random than than kind of landing a ta so i spent the whole summer i was reapplying to tv stations but then i was like okay well i just want to get in the door somewhere yeah. so i started applying to colleges for SID positions and assistant SIDs, just trying to get a foot in anywhere. I started looking at newspaper jobs. 
And then nothing happened. And then the money ran out. And so I actually started working at Target overnight. No kidding. My sister worked at Target. In South uh, Portland? For a little while. The South Portland Target, I think it just opened. Yeah. And so it paid $9.75 an hour. And I was like, this is the most I'm going to make in the immediate. And so I need to do something. So I started doing that. And I couldn't believe that I was doing it. And I kept, it's funny. I I just kept, I remember saying to myself throughout those shifts, I was like, this is just all going to be part of the story. Like someday I'm going to look back at this. I'm going to be like, man, remember when I did that? That was pretty wild. That's what I was thinking as I'm listening to you say this, like that is part of the story. And I I hope if someone else hears this and they aspire to do the stuff that you're doing and they're working at, Walmart or wherever they're like, you know what? I can, you know, this doesn't mean that I'm stuck here forever. You just got to keep grinding. And, and exactly. Mm-hmm. You're, you're never stuck. It's, it's, it's your own fault. I guess if you feel that way or get stuck and suddenly five, 10 years go by and you're miserable and you're unhappy, like you can get yourself out of that. I was mm-hmm. so miserable and so unhappy, but I was doing what I needed to do because I, I had bills that needed to be paid and yeah. I just needed to stay busy and stay active. And then the the journal thing happened, same deal, out of the blue. I was just like flipping through one of the weeklies that we used to get back then. I don't even know if those are still around, but probably uh, they had a job opening at the journal for like a part-time, basically answer the phones and talk to coaches, compile the box scores. Sports department though. It was sports a sports department. department. Yeah. yeah, it was a sports department, but it was like, you know, typing up the briefs like, so-and-so scored 12 points and so-and-so added four rebounds and Massabesic beat Biddeford, you know, 58, 54. And you're like, okay, well, it's something I I need to do this. Mm -hmm. So I, I I remember I applied, I took the interview. Karen Hansen was the sports editor back then. And I got hired right away. I think I started the first, it was, I started the first Friday of high school basketball season. So that might've been the first week of December, 2003. Yep. And then I, then I would do that shift. So I would work, you know, two, three, four days a week doing that. Then I would go to Target. <laughs> so I would do that for a little while. And then I would go stock shelves and unpack boxes and do the dog food section and all that That's stuff. So and, I did the then, same thing at Shaw's. So you're bringing back memories for me. Yeah, so it's, it was yeah. just like crazy. I mean, this was 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so to think about it, you know, and the journey and how far it's been. And then I haven't thought about this in a long yeah. time, to be honest. And then some new management took over and the guy and I really clicked. He was kind of a younger guy. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, do you want to, you don't want to do that. Like, do you want to work here? I'm like, yeah, of course. And so I had written a few stories. They let me string a few like playoff games during the winter, during February, March. And then this new management took over and I got hired full time. Yeah. I think June, maybe. Okay, I know so I did, did six months. I know I did like seven months at Target mm-hmm. while I was also answering phones and stuff. And yeah. then, and then, yeah, it was like June 04, I think. So were you the sports guy at that point there? I know I was, so we had, let's see. So we had the editor and I was one of two reporters and then maybe there was a third and then someone took over what I was doing, just answering phones. And then, so I did that for basically three years. Oh, no kidding. That long. Jeez. Well, so no, I did. Well, I mean, I just like a regular reporter for three years 
and uh, we would take our own pictures. So I learned how to like use a camera and stuff like that was crazy fun. And then I became the editor in 2007. And so then I did that for two. So I was at the JT a little over five years and I was the editor for the last two. That's a good run. It was a good run. I I I have to say, I had a great time. I loved it. It was Mm -hmm. great. I mean, I worked seven days a week, like, but it was crazy weird hours because the JT is an afternoon paper. And so I would basically work from about three until, I don't know, one in the morning, just kind of putting the Part of that included going to sporting events. Mm -hmm. Oh, part of that included going to multiple events, driving all over Southern Maine, taking pictures, coming back, writing a story, Mm -hmm. getting the pictures ready, doing the layout, editing the other people's stories who were working with us. It was a, it was a, it was a big time deal. It was a lot of work. I learned so much and I, I don't regret a single moment yeah. of it. Sometimes I, sometimes I miss it. I, I sometimes miss writing. I haven't done any writing in a long time. Yeah. That was um, where that ended for you? Pretty much. When I first moved out here, I tried to keep like a website going where I would yeah. just like write columns and do some movie reviews. Cause I did movie reviews at the JT oh, yeah. too, which was a lot of fun. But now maybe Twitter's replaced that for you because you're pretty active on Twitter. So it's yeah, like bite size. It's like way I'm to get out here. Twitter. Yeah, I was one of the, I feel like I was kind of one of the early Twitter people. I kind of oh, signed yeah. up right away in 2009 when it started to kind of hit. Mm-hmm. I actually remember signing up because a college friend was getting married in St. Louis. And I was like, oh, I, guys, guys, I got it. I found this thing. It's called Twitter. I'm going <laughs> to document the whole weekend. The wedding, it's going to be great. And then like when, we, when we're all done, we can go back and kind of read through all the funny stuff that yeah. happened. And then it just kind of turned into <laughs> so funny. Know, just sports hot takes yeah. and kind of totally, reacting man. to TV shows and movies. And then, and then I ended up moving. I you know drove across country that summer mm-hmm. to Maine to LA. And so it ended up being a kind of a fun way to document the road trip and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So... I, I can't wait to get to this next part of your journey, but it is sad to see that the Journal Tribune isn't a thing anymore. I was so bummed out. It wasn't surprising. No, just it's tough. Because, tough you know, small newspapers <sighs> around the country, around the globe have kind of gone yeah. away. But the Journal really did serve a purpose. And it was really, I feel like it was valued in the community, especially when I was there. It was a great spot for local sports. Like you're not getting hardcore local sports coverage from your big city papers, really. Not at all, you know, man. Nothing. People care about, you know, especially, you know, in Maine, people care about the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Bruins and the Celtics and the Sea Dogs and the Pirates, you know, and I get all that, like USM and UNE, like I totally get all that, but there was a place for the small paper really diving in and really covering, you know, a small group of high schools and small colleges like they were professional teams. And I really think the parents and the coaches and the ADs, I really think they appreciated that back then. And, and we tried our best and I feel like we did, you know, a really great job. It, it also helped that I was closely removed from playing. So I still had relationships with a lot of the coaches and the athletic directors, they remembered me. And so I was able to get, I I feel like some really good access and, 
And like I said, I, I enjoyed that time, you know, in my life and my career, like immensely. And I, I look back on it so fondly, even though I don't come home that often anymore. Yeah. I really did love that and cherish that time. Yeah, it was a good run for the JT. Over 100 years, right? 110 or something? I think so, man. But now it's like, how, there's no effective way to get local news out to, to people. Facebook is probably the most effective way, but I was talking to someone about how there was a school board vote this past week and 250 people voted for it. And it's like, no one even knows that sort of stuff happens anymore. And the Journal right. Tribune was perfect for perfect. that sort of stuff. And especially for the sports stuff too. So it was a big deal as a student, never mind parents and coaches, also as a student to have your picture well, in mean, the Journal yeah, Tribune. When, and... when your picture got in the paper, it was the yeah. craziest, coolest thing ever. Yeah. You know, and you could order prints and you could get the negatives and like have them up forever in your house. And right, I'm totally all that you just made some kid's day by, you know, having their picture on the front page. Like, it was so cool. So that is a bummer. So what happened to get you out to L.A. from the Journal Tribune? Did you go out there with nothing planned or did something pull you out there? I, I had something planned even just on a temporary basis. <laughs> so I had went to school with a couple of my friends who worked at NFL Network. And they were at this wedding that I was at in St. Louis that I mentioned in oh, May. Yeah. And they kind of came back and was like what are you doing? Do you want to, I'm like, I'm like, I got to get out. I, that wedding was just so fun. It was like, this was a group of people who had, who lived in LA. They had already gone. And I was like, I got to get out there, man. Like I'm kind of, I just kind of reached my, my, my peak, my cap yeah. in me. And I just kind of plateaued there. And I was just like ready to move. And I needed a big life change, you know, kind of at that point in my life, I was like 28, almost 29. And I just kind of needed something. And they just kind of put the feeler out. And somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, these people have said that they're interested. Like we're having some hirings for the upcoming NFL season. It'd be just a seasonal basis. If you're willing to come out and interview. Yeah. And I remember saying to the guy who I'm still friends with to this day, I was like, you realize I'm in Maine, right? Like I can't just pack up and go to LA for one day to interview. And he goes, well, <laughs> We're interviewing on this day. We'd love to have you here. And I go, okay. So I, like, I had one credit card at the time that didn't even have a very high max. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess I got to go to LA for the day. So I kind of like stealthily flew to LA for 24 hours. I had someone cover. I went on a Tuesday and I had someone cover my that night at the JT, like putting together the sports page. I was like, look, I'm going to LA for this interview. I need you to take care of tonight. It should be easy. There's not a lot going on and I'll be back on Wednesday. I promise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I flew out there. One of my friends picked me up at the airport. I slept on their couch. <laughs> we drove around town. He kind of showed me some of the sites. I ended up interviewing at Edifel network for like four hours that day. Yep. And they were like, cool. Well, we'll call you in a couple of weeks. And I was like, all right, that's it. Wow. <laughs> I was Dude, like, I don't story though, man. Just making it happen, you know, just like oh, making oh, it happen. And that's just... not even, that's not even half the story. So <laughs> a couple of weeks later, it's a Friday at, I'm doing the Friday weekend section. I'm like doing the NASCAR page and like mm -hmm. getting all the features ready. Cause there wasn't much going on. Cause it was, let's see, it was early July Ugh. and I get a call. And then the guy was like, we want to offer you a position. Cause I had said, look, if I'm going to move out here. I know it's only for the season, but I kind of need five days a week because, you know, I got a fun job yeah. in Maine and he offered it to me. He said, we'll meet, we'll meet everything you asked. And I remember telling him, oh, I'm going to think about it over the weekend. <laughs> Ooh, all, like, right. Like, all right. 
I, I mean, I, I wasn't even trying to do a power play. I literally just wanted to think about it because it was it was such a big move. And I wanted to talk to my parents about it and just see what they thought. And looking back, it was stupid. Like, why would I do that? Uh, but then my dad actually gave me the the best piece of advice, you know, maybe I ever got. And he was just like, look, what is there to think about? You're yeah. never going to get this chance ever again in your entire life and i was like you're right so then i called the guy back on sunday i was like when do i start and that was kind of the end of it i i you know i gave my two weeks the yep. last event i ever covered was the lobster bowl that year i wrote a farewell column which i'm still very proud of yep uh, packed up everything i owned into my 1999 chevy tahoe and started driving what was the position at the nfl network that you got hired for i was a seasonal production assistant okay their show total access it was basically mm -hmm. just like working on that that's their everyday show so yeah. it was doing behind the scenes stuff it was listening to sound it was searching for b-roll clips putting together you know 20 30 seconds just finding that stuff working with an editor to do all that on a daily basis during the season it was watching a game, logging it, cutting highlights on Sundays, yep. writing shot sheets. All the really, stuff people don't realize is being done. All the uh, stuff that if yeah. you watch SportsCenter or MLB Tonight or any of even your local news, even Channel mm -hmm. 6, mm -hmm. even David on Channel mm -hmm. 13, all the stuff that he does on a daily yep. basis. Yep. Uh, logging games, writing scripts, all that stuff. And so... It was great. It kind of felt like I was starting over, you know, because I was at, you know, an editor position with, yep. you know, at a newspaper, but then going back to the bottom in the TV world, which I didn't mind because I was ready to do the work. I was, I'm not going to say I was bored or anything at the JT, but I was just ready for something new. I, I needed a different challenge. I needed to, to turn on a different part of my brain. And uh, I really got that. I really got that to my first couple of years at NFL. So how did it end up that you work at the NFL network as an assistant seasonal production assistant, and then you end up where you are now on the Rich Eisen show. Is there a direct path to that? Or was there another stop in between? No direct path, but it, again, it's, it's dumb luck. It's just kind of right place, right time yeah. put there by your own hard work. It was yeah. uh, the lockout had, had started in 2010 and podcasts were just starting to get pretty popular mm -hmm. uh, you know back then it was just like bill simmons and mark yeah. Marin and like what's a podcast and like chris hardwick and you're just like and then richard started one because he had seen how popular they were and like i had zero relationship with rich he was the well, host was he on total access at the time he was on total access okay. and he was doing the sunday evening highlight shows because also remember not a lot of people had nfl network back then yeah. Uh, it's fairly so, new back then, right? It's not like NFL Network's been around for 50 years. I feel like it came to be. NFL Network yeah. started in 2003, but it was only on, I mean, I'd probably say less than 10 million people had it. Up yeah, until, I mean, it was It was definitely one of those stations that wasn't on your normal cable package. And right. it was like you a big deal. You definitely had to pay extra for it until, right, right, right. Until like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. So when the lockout hit, there was just no programming because there were no games and there was nothing to talk about because there was no news happening. Yeah, so. Brutal someone had the idea to film his podcast and then just edit it up and make it a TV show. Mm -hmm. And so in 2011, 
a couple of guys who are doing the TV producing part of it. One guy did a couple episodes and then he got promoted to do something else. And then, Mm -hmm. so this other guy took over and then he did a few episodes and then he got promoted because he was going to start working on Thursday night football. So he had to like start his summer prep for Thursday night football, NFL networks coverage. And he, this guy, Jason Kleiman, he just happened to recommend me to do it. It was like, Oh, he would be really good at it. He's a super pop culture in the know, like always on Twitter guy. And he would do a good job. And but then, this so, is just to produce it at that point. This is just right? to produce yeah. it. This is yeah. just to like take, they're going to record the footage and I'm going to go in an edit bay with an editor. And then we're going to kind of chop up this 15 minute conversation into about seven minutes, put some graphics on it. And then, you know, we'll do three of these and then mm-hmm. there'll be 22 minutes for TV. And so I did that for... I did that for a whole year and a half, basically, because yeah. we started because there was nothing going on and we did it weekly throughout the 2011 season. And so after that, we started doing some specials because we couldn't do it on a weekly basis anymore. Mm-hmm. And then me and the other audio producer, we started getting involved, kind of talking on the show. And then we would film a little short two minute segment to tack on the end of the TV show. And then all of a sudden it's 2014. So we've been doing it for two years. Mm -hmm. And then Rich is like, hey, so not to get your hopes up, we're still negotiating. I don't know what's gonna happen, but DirecTV and Fox Sports Radio are interested. I'm like, interested in what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, doing like a Dan Patrick style, you know, Howard Stern, like three hour show. And it's just like, whoa, like this could change everything for us. I bet. And, uh, it's now, and you know, to take where we started in 2011, and now here we are in 2023. We've been nominated for an Emmy three times. Like, it's really crazy Incredible. to just think about the early days and where we are now. It's awesome. How did it go from you producing the show to being on the show? I think it just started off season. You know, this was, you know, in the beginning before we were still at NFL Network. I think it just started like, you know, it's the off season. We don't have a lot of guests. Oh, you went on a trip this weekend. What did you do? You wait, you fell out of a tree. What happened? And so it's just like getting involved and us telling stories and basically just becoming better friends with Rich. You know, there was another guy who used to do it with us who's not you know working with us anymore. But it was just kind of the three of us like you know, having conversations, you know, giving each other crap about stuff and, you know, and we're big pop culture people. So that was kind of like breaking bad too, was one of the first, we we would talk about that on the show. We had Vince Gilligan on. And so that was, that that was kind of a big deal. The whole story behind that is even crazy because it was like right after the finale. So we had all these questions and like, whenever we would talk about breaking bad on the show before I was not caught up. So I would leave, literally leave the room because I didn't want it to be spoiled because I was in the middle of binging. It. Yeah. It makes sense to me. And then, and then we get Vince and he's like, well, I got 30 minutes. I can squeeze you in because I'm in the writer's room for this new show I'm doing called better call Saul. And uh, he ended up staying 90 minutes and answering every single fan question that we had. He's the nicest guy in Hollywood. We've had you know, hundreds of celebrities on the show. He is hands down the nicest guy. Really? What a crazy thing to say, because I know who Vince Gilligan is. I listen to the podcast yes. that they produce for, you know, for Breaking yes. Bad and Better Call Saul. I love both of those shows. And to hear him talk, like, it's amazing that you had a chance to, 
to spend the that time with him, guy. never mind him be so nice. And he's the nicest guy, hands down. And then he's come back on this show several times. In fact, on our very first episode, he was our very first ever in-studio guest. He, he brought us this amazing artwork piece of Gus <laughs> Fring. Spoiler alert, only having half a head. And, uh, <laughs> which we eventually, which we eventually got Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Gus Fring, to autograph because he's been here a few times. Yeah. Like, the things that we've done and seen and the people we got to know over the years, the Super Bowls we've been to, mm -hmm. Hall of Fames, All-Star Games. It's awesome. If you would have told me stocking the dog food aisle at the South Portland Target 20 years ago that all of this was about to happen, I, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't believe you. It's so. awesome, man. Well, it sounds like hard work. It sounds like taking a risk. And just making things happen, you know, and it just kind of led to yeah, where you are. You know, look, I mean, it, it stuff doesn't just happen to you. <laughs> you have to put yourself in those positions. And, you know, it's because it's just hard work. It's mm -hmm. good. It's like that in any job, in any career. You know, you, you do need a little bit of luck, but you do create your own luck. I do well, people would say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And it sounds right. like you had your opportunity and just were able to take advantage of it. As you mentioned, all these people that you've met over the years, is there someone that you were totally blown away by unexpectedly or very nervous to talk to? Oh, or at this point, it doesn't even matter. At, well, at this point, I guess I am kind of like, I don't want to say I'm numb to it because you're never numb when, you know, Oscar winners come on. But mm -hmm. uh, it's like the first time you meet Matt Damon and you're just like, okay. He's and an A-lister, man. Matt Damon's big time. But you're just talking about the Red Sox with him. And yeah. it's just like man, did you see him blow that freaking game last night? And you're just like, I'm having a conversation about last night's Red Sox game with Matt Damon. Or like, it's probably pretty easy for that conversation just because of the Boston connections. But yeah, man, these guys are regular people too. That's <laughs> the thing you realize time and time again that they are just regular people. Like Adam Sandler introduces himself and he says, oh, hi, man, I'm Adam. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I, know, yeah. I know who you are. I've been watching your movies since I was 10. You know, <laughs> it's just like little stuff like that that you really appreciate that these mm -hmm. guys are so egoless, mm -hmm. which is, which is so awesome. And it's really refreshing I'm when, to hear that. I, when, I'm sure there people, are some egos for some of those people, but yeah, it's cool oh, to hear that. A good, good, more. you know, you know, for some, and then a lot of times is maybe you catch someone on a bad day, which mm -hmm. happens to all of us, you know, at, well, aren't these guys going from show to show when they're on these press tours, sometimes, you're just like sometimes, another sometimes, stop on the list. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they are doing a day yeah. where they're bouncing around and like, if they're tired, luckily we're, 9am to noon yeah. in LA. So we kind of get people first, yeah, which, true. which helps, but you know, I've drank beer with stone cold. I've, <laughs> I've like watched people run forties with Snoop Dogg. Like I've played catch with Joe Montana, like some of the crazy things that we've gotten yeah. to do. They thing is, is like, we're not a regular talk show. Like, you know, some of the other late nights where mm -hmm. it's only eight minutes. Show a clip, eight minutes, tell a story, move on. You know, we can keep someone for a whole hour. Like we just had last week, we had Reggie Jackson come in and he stayed the whole hour. And so you're just kind of walking down memory lane, you're telling stories. And so, you know, celebrities, when they come here, know that they can kind of let their hair down a little bit, talk about their favorite sport teams. Like if Ashton Kutcher wants to bitch about the Bears, he can do that. You know, people will come on and they just feel comfortable because they know Rich, they know that, He's got a great personality. He's very quick. He's very smart. He's a, asked great questions, great interviewer. And, uh, you know, he, he, we're not trying to play gotcha and like, yeah. you know, create 
viral clips in the bad way. We're trying to have fun, tell great stories. Cool. You know, Kevin Pollock comes on and tells us about Jack Nicholson and a few good men. And it's like, this is the greatest story I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we're lucky that we get a handful of those moments mm -hmm. uh, throughout the year. And, you know, people want to come back. You know, we, that's, that's the other fun part is that when you get someone, they're always like, can't wait to come back, you know, and they mm -hmm. come back a year later because they're promoting either the same show or a new project, a new movie. And they're like, oh, it's, I can't believe it's been a year. You know, yeah. why don't you have me back more often? And it's like, anytime, like, come on down. Yeah. So and get your regulars. And I think that's what's yeah. great about shows like what you guys have is the long form potential for people to sit yeah. down and talk like you. I mean, that the, the talk show stuff, the eight minute stuff that seems like in the past and everything I love about podcasts is that yeah. is, is, are those long conversations. I mean, honestly, half the podcasts I listen to are two or three hours long, you know, so oh, it's, it's, it's actually insane. And, and it's um, fun when, and it's fun when they're willing to come in and kind of kind of tell stories like you know we still have radio partners and you know i know some of the station managers get offended and upset when people swear but we kind of take that as the ultimate compliment like yeah someone is so comfortable with us and our setting we have such an amazing set that they're you know they kind of forget that they're on mm -hmm. tv and radio so they drop f-bombs and s-bombs yeah. it's like we kind of we kind of laugh like oh, oh okay just make sure you don't do that again but we kind of are like this is cool that they're so comfortable with us and that they're willing to kind of just free flow the conversation and not really see the cameras i agree that is a sign of being comfortable i'm surprised I and mean, that's a real thing huh radio managers they'll get upset about a swear i mean i oh, guess yeah. i mean yeah Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess someone complains and next thing you know, it's oh, a bunch of issues. I forget, I forget who it was, like somebody like a month ago dropped an F-bomb and then we got an email from the station manager like, so-and-so dropped an F-bomb at 11.48. You're just like, really? Oh, man, <laughs> brutal. I you, guess that's just part think, of the deal. You not think that interview was awesome? That's the one thing that we <laughs> want to point out about it. I was like, okay. How great has it been working with Rich over the years? Rich is great, man. You know, it's funny because I remember being, I didn't, when I was in high school, we didn't have cable. So I kind of missed a good amount of the Craig Kilborn sports centers. Yep. But then when I got to college, that was, Rich was kind of in the heyday with Stu. And so it's so funny to think about watching sports center back then with my buddies on a 13 inch TV in a dorm room. Mm -hmm. And now Rich is one of my best friends and like, We've worked together for a dozen years now. And I remember when he only had two kids and now he has three kids yeah. and, you know, going over there and Sunday dinners. Cause I was single and like, I'm not, Hey, what are you doing for dinner? Well, I'm gonna have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I do every <laughs> single day. Well, why don't you come over? We're making so-and-so like Thanksgiving's going over there. And it's like me and Marshall Falk, because we're not at home having Thanksgiving dinner with the Eisens. And it's, it's really wild. And so, you know, his family's been so good to me over the years, seeing his kids grow up and like going to his son's little league games this year. Now, like I remember when he couldn't walk. And yeah. so, you know, I felt like a part of his family for a long time and, you know, what he's done for me and my career and my life, like I'll never be able to repay him. And so, you know, the only thing I can do is come on and, Give him a hard time about being a Jets fan. 
Oh my God, he's a Jets fan, so he must be loving this off season. He's Jets and Yankees, like two of the teams I hate the most. <laughs> the funny yeah. thing is, is like when he was at NFL Network, you know, kind of as the face of Total Access and all that, the Jets fandom wasn't really out in the forefront. Mm-hmm. But you know, since we've been doing our show for a while now, I've kind of gotten him to embrace the fandom. Like he's super hardcore Michigan, especially yep. with Harbaugh. You know, the last what seven, eight years. Yeah. So, uh, but he's out there now with the jets. Cause he's kind of feeling himself. Cause he thinks that Rogers is going to do something. And I'm like, bro, this is going to end just like Favre, man. Like, come yeah. on. What do you think is going to happen? It's the jets, man. It's the jets. <laughs> it's like what Yogi Berra told Derek Jeter about playing the Red Sox. Look, man, we've been beating these guys for 80 years. What are you worried about? That's how I feel about playing the jets. <laughs> and then you say that, and then look what happened back in 2004. So is this is this the year for it? We'll see. We'll see. How do you like living in L.A.? I is- love L.A. I knew that I always wanted to live here. I just mm-hmm. didn't know how I was going to get here yep. growing up. And then obviously got here. I love it. Look, man, I mean, this year has been kind of, you know, what was me, the guy who lives in Southern California? This year has been kind of rough. We haven't had that many sunny days, and we had okay. the most rain we've ever had since I've lived here. Probably but, needed it, right? Or not I mean, necessarily LA, but Southern California. For sure. All of California needs mm-hmm. all the rain we can get. But mm-hmm. look, you can't argue with 300 days of sunshine. <laughs> anytime I've been in Southern California, I was like, I want to move out here. I do miss the, the thunderstorms and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff, you know, the Northeast weather. But, you know, there's not a lot of humidity and there's no mm-hmm. bugs and there's no snow. But the thing is, if you want all of that stuff, it's, it's close by. Like, yeah. you know, two hour drive to the mountains, it's... You know, like six hours to Lake Tahoe. Like yeah. you can get this stuff pretty easily if you want it. But that's kind of what I tell people. Like whatever lifestyle you want to live out here, you can. Yeah. You know, you're not locked into one thing, which is you know kind of what I like about about Southern California. But you know, my son is three now, and mm-hmm. super into baseball, so we have a backyard, and we're doing that, and it's that's awesome, kind of what my what my days are like these days. Hey, three years old. It's great age. Good times ahead. Starting it's with the baseball. Perfect, it's a perfect age because like he he can communicate now. Mm-hmm. He's the funny thing he says all the time is like, oh, maybe tomorrow. Hey, do you want to do something? Maybe tomorrow. And he can you know if something hurts, he can tell you what hurts. If he's hungry, he'll tell you what he wants to eat. And so you know we're we're getting into that real kind of fun zone. He's You're in starting, for a good run, man. He's starting. He's starting with the whys. I feel like we're entering the why stage right now, yeah. which is fun. That doesn't end for a while. Yeah, hopefully never. Your- hopefully, hopefully, he always wants to ask me questions, and hopefully, I'll have the answers. But you know, we're watching baseball every night. He was super locked into the NBA Finals, and you know, he likes playing golf and watching the golf on TV. He loves saying "whoosh." He's like, "Oh, look, he's got a big whoosh coming." I'm like, "Yep, that's what that's what it is." And he can do all the batting stances, like you know, he loves Justin Turner and Raphael Devers, and he calls, him, he calls him Raffy Ding Dong. And he, you know, my, my wife is a Braves fan. So no kidding. You know, he loves Acuna oh. and Olsen and Ozzy Albies and those guys. So we're having, wow. a, we're having a real fun time. Yeah. He's going to be raised in a sports household. Oh, absolutely. We're yeah. actually thinking about, we were thinking about taking a trip in July. There's a weekend where the Sox are hosting the Mets. And then two <laughs> days later, they have a two game set against the Braves. So yeah. we were thinking about popping back, maybe taking him to Fenway and, Maybe I can get myself on the field for batting practice. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm sure you could pull a few strings. I did see, uh, I saw something the other day on the show about you being in a celebrity golf tournament as an <laughs> actor. 
That was hilarious. That whole thing was so funny. That whole thing was actually really funny. So have you played in a lot of those before? Is this the first time or? So Rich used to play in this one for the Red Cross here locally in, mm-hmm. in LA. And so we would play, I, I would just tag along, like Rich would be the celebrity in the group. Mm-hmm. And then I would just be kind of the plus one. So we did that for a few years, which was super fun. But this was the first time that I was the celebrity. And I felt so weird because the, the, the guy who put it on, Kevin Rahm, he's from Mad Men and Desperate Housewives and okay. Madam Secretary. Great guy. So we've gotten to know him the last few years at this Kansas City charity for, for Children's Mercy, Big Slick, which mm-hmm. is which is run by Jason Sudeikis and Rob Riggle and Dave Koechner and a bunch of the, the Kansas, City, Kansas City celebrities, Paul Rudd. And, and so we would go do that. And we got to know Kevin at, at this thing. And he was like, yo, you got to play my golf tournament. I was like, dude, say when nah, I'm there. <laughs> so he invited me this year and I was just like, man, are these people going to look at me? Like who the hell is this guy? And why is he the celebrity in our group? But it was such a great time. The guys I was with knew who I was, was familiar with the show. They were like beer distributors in Florida. And like, we just played two rounds of golf and I don't remember any of the golf. Like I I haven't (laughs) drank so much in my whole life. And it was such a great time for such a great cause for St. Jude, you know, raised over $2 million, like so much money. And it was just such a great experience. And we had Kevin on to talk about, I don't know who put me down as an actor because they asked me to send in a bio and nowhere in the bio did I say acting. (laughs) Yeah, they read it and they were like, oh, this guy's an actor. Okay. I think they just thought, maybe they thought it was funny. Maybe they were just kind of messing with me because Kevin and I are friends. But we ended up getting like a week's worth of content out of it. And it was great for the tournament to, you know, to publicize and, and kind of promote. And I mean, honestly, I can't wait to go back. We played at Sawgrass. I'm not ashamed to admit I put two in the water on 17, but I promise next year that won't happen. It was really hard. I got to say, we got screwed by the pin placement. It was Was short in the the back and the wind was in our face. So it was like 145 playing 160. It was a hard shot. You got to get your son some clubs and then get to the range with him. If you can get him in, then it'll get you out there more. He has a mini club that we got him. So when he was like first starting to walk, he would hit balls in the back, in the backyard. And it was kind of amazing, like his hand-eye coordination. And then we had some, we had some construction done. We kind of did some remodeling in the backyard and Mm -hmm. he couldn't, we couldn't go back there and play. So we kind of lost a little interest there. And then baseball has kind of taken over that. Taken over, hey which I'm totally fine with. There's plenty of time for golf. I didn't really start playing until after college. Yeah. So there's plenty of It's time. tough when you're playing all those sports you were talking about. Coaches don't want you doing anything else, but the. No, yeah. and it was like, you know, back then, you know, it was during football season, you focus on football. And then when that was over, it was basketball season. Then you focused on basketball. And then when basketball was over, you focused on baseball. And then in the summer, you got to do all three. You got to work out for football. Yeah. You got to play in summer league basketball, and then you're playing double headers every weekend in summer. But, you know, it just never stops. So there was really no time to play golf growing up. It's the best. It was, Um, was, I I miss, I do miss playing a lot. Dude, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for spending the time. And I could listen to stories all day long. I have uh, got plenty of stories. I'm happy to come on anytime. I appreciate it. Congrats on the success. I hope someone listening to this is is sitting here thinking, you know what? Chris has an awesome story about how he ended up in LA doing what you do. 
and I could do the same thing. And that's kind of the yeah, goal of having me on. Absolutely. So. And anybody who sees this, do not hesitate to reach out. Like send me mm -hmm. a DM on Twitter or Instagram and I'll help you any way that I can because uh, I was once in your shoes. And yeah. trust me, it's a lot easier to get yourself out there now than it was when we were growing up with all the different social media platforms and YouTube. It's like very easy to get started. And if you need any help or need anyone as a guest, I'm here for you. Do not hesitate. Awesome, man. Very gracious. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. All the best.